Happy Friday to you guys. It is our final show of 2022, barring something really unforeseen. We're talking about BYU basketball getting a relatively easy win over Pacific. We're also getting to your guys' mailbag edition of the podcast as well. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Coming to you a little bit later on a Friday, but nonetheless, thank you for making some time to join us here on your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Title sponsor on today's show is our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online has got you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That's Bet Online where the game starts. All right. Uh, apologies uh, for the lower uh, quality of the video slash audio. If it sounds or looks different than typical, had some issues last night with regards to recording in my home studio. So I'm actually coming to you guys live from my work studios. One of the many studios here at KSL Broadcast House in the Triad Center in downtown Salt Lake City. But uh, thanks all the same for joining us. Uh, today's show, we'll talk some hoops. We'll get to that in a minute. But I promise you guys we get to a mailbag edition of the podcast. We typically do it on Thursday, but some pressing other news in the BYU sports front. Push that to the back burner. So let's get right to your questions on today's show. And one that I, I think is the one to start the show off with today involves two pieces of news that I have talked about earlier this week. And it comes in uh, via questions from Colby Nelson, our friend on Twitter. He DM'd me last night, says, Jake, I hope I make it in time for the podcast. Well, with everything that happened, Colby, you made it in plenty of time. It says, I am curious if there's any more movement on the last defensive coach front. I know you said he was on the San Diego State staff. Their bowl game is over, so I'm curious why there hasn't been an announcement yet. Uh, also, any news on the JC quarterback from Riverside, if he will sign? Do you think he has another offer somewhere else and may sign there? Now, those are two different pieces of of news that I've talked about this week. Uh, it's not hard to realize who's on that San Diego State staff with BYU ties. It's their defensive line coach, Justin Enna, the former BYU linebacker. Uh, there have been strong rumors of him joining the BYU staff, and I was under the impression, pulled by somebody that knows far more than I do, that there would be an expectation of him being announced as BYU's final defensive coach shortly after San Diego State finished their bowl game. Now, that has not happened quite yet this week. Does that mean it's not going to happen? No, it still very well could happen. They may be ironing out final details, that type of stuff. But also, could there have been other opportunities that popped up for Enner, or is there another coach that suddenly became available that BYU wants to uh, interview? That There are so many different moving parts with this that uh, I can report news one day, and it feels like in 10 to 15 minutes in relative terms, it changes. And that's the same thing with the JC quarterback. Uh, speaking of Jake Retzlaff, I, I said earlier this week, you probably should get familiar with him. Uh, highly thought of Juco uh, quarterback out of Riverside Community College down there in Southern California. Threw for over 4,500 yards this year, 44 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. He seems like a guy that would be a tailor-made fit for BYU. But uh, there's some people out there on social media saying that he is a sign, but he's just waiting and biding his time till he makes his announcement. Could that be the case? Sure. But I'm of the opinion if he truly had a uh, signed with BYU, he would have been announced by now. So I think BYU's probably still 
still pursuing him and finishing up uh, the recruiting process with him? Are there other quarterbacks similar to the coaching thing that popped into the transfer portal that BYU is interested in engaging their interest before they move forward? It, there are so many moving parts with both of these, Colby. And to all of you out there that may probably have similar questions, why hasn't this stuff happened yet? It really, it's 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 a timing thing. You have to make sure everything lines up. You have to, if it's a coach, you got to have the uh, the interviews done. You got to have people sign off on the hires. You got to make sure all that's buttoned up before you make the announcement they're joining your staff. On the recruiting front, until somebody truly puts pen to paper, and I don't even know if it's still actually have to sign a national letter of intent. I'm sure there's a, a DocuSign type e-signature that you can do with your national letter of intent these days. Until that is received by a university, that that's really when you can move forward uh, with regards to knowing in some sort of uh, security that you know you have that young man locked up uh, for at least one year. That's the one thing about this. But even then, the transfer portal, uh, let's say a guy comes in, he signs in this uh, period, and then after spring ball, decides, you know what? It ain't for me. They could jump right back in the transfer portal. It's a crazy crazy new world. So uh, let's be patient and see what happens. But I'm with you, Colby. I actually, frankly, am stunned that we have not seen much movement on either of those fronts, but uh, I'll be sure to pass along anything else I hear. And that's the thing about this podcast. I have promised you guys time and time again over the past four plus years that I am going to make sure you guys are up to to date on everything that I uh, understand, know, can report, all that stuff. I'm making sure you guys are aware of it as we move along here. All right. On to other questions now uh, on today's show our next one comes in uh, via kyle he says kyle uh, asks do you think there's any chance that byu lands a usu transfer daniel grishik uh now the defensive line has already gotten significantly better kyle continues but they still need to get one more and this guy is better than anybody else we had last year it seems speaking of byu now grishik i think would be a very very welcome addition to the byu football program uh frankly a guy who had eight and a half sacks if the uh, metrics or not the metrics the stats bear out i believe 12 and a half tackles for loss uh, very, very accomplished pass rusher. And BYU could do a lot worse than at least reaching out to gauge his interest. Consider a guy like Isaiah Bagna, who at one point led Boise State in sacks, and having a guy like Daniel Grishek on the other side potentially as a pass rusher for, B- for BYU, that would significantly upgrade BYU's pass rush ability and just the overall defensive line. Uh, do I think that anything is imminent with him? I don't, but that, that doesn't mean I don't know, per se. Now, there's another Utah State transfer, though, that Waylon Lapuaho, the former Bingham High star, spent his true freshman season starting on the offensive line for Utah State. He announced shortly after Grishek announced he was going into the transfer portal that Lapuaho was also entering his name into the transfer portal. And just minutes after he actually made that formal announcement, uh, he announced that BYU had offered him. Uh, I would say at this point, I think all things point to Waylon Lapuaho being a BYU Cougar. He's got family connections to the BYU football program. I actually thought that he was the younger brother of former BYU offensive lineman Louis Lapuaho. If you remember Louis from the mid-2010s playing for BYU. Uh, but I, Louis actually uh, clarified that for me on social media and said they're actually cousins, him and Waylon. But nonetheless, the Lapuaho last name carries a lot of weight in the football circles in this state. And getting a guy like Waylon Lapuaho to me, with the experience he has as a starter for Utah State, in my mind, he might be a guy who could come into BYU and immediately challenge for playing time, if not a starting job at guard for BYU. He's a little bit shorter than what a lot of BYU's offensive linemen, the prototype that they kind of go after, but you can't argue 
argue with proven production and especially a guy who's from your proverbial backyard. Bringing him to BYU makes a whole lot of sense, but we'll have to wait and see on that status. But I would think that uh, BYU is probably in the lead for Waylon Lapuaho at this juncture as a recording of this podcast. On to more questions here. Jeff Henwar, a good friend uh, from Atlanta, says, Jake, uh, what's the word on Gunnar Romney and Peyton Wilgar? Well, I think we got the word on Gunnar Romney via Fessy Sitake earlier this week, but I had a very, very complimentary tweet about Gunnar Romney and all he meant to the BYU football program. I don't know what Gunnar's ultimate grand plan is. I would assume that if he can get back to being somewhat healthy, he probably goes through pro day and sees what NFL opportunities are out there for him. But at the same time, I also get the sense that he just might be ready to move on with life. Football was a season that he uh, of his life that he played out, and now it's time for him to move on. I could very well see that being a possibility for him. On the Peyton Wilgar front, Jeff, I've got no clue. Uh, Peyton was a guy that missed the back half of the season with a high ankle sprain, a fairly severe one, if I understand it correctly. And uh, we saw him as a media core uh, during practices when the team was out practicing. He was inside the student-athlete building uh, with his wife and kid in tow. So uh, I'm assuming he's done playing for BYU. That's my that's my assumption because it sounds like he was going to go into the transfer portal. And there were rumors linking him to Utah. And I, I don't know what Peyton Wilgar's status is, frankly. I, I, I've got a better feel on Gunner than I do Peyton Wilgar. Now, you also asked this, Jeff. You said, also, I am of the opinion that the offensive line is the closest unit relationship-wise in football. With that being said, any chance that the Funk-Fano confrontation played a role in many of our starters leaving? Now, I don't profess to be an expert on what happened between Daryl Funk's family and the Fano family. I, I, I've heard the rumors. Uh, I've read some of the things people said about it. I don't know what exactly happened, so I'm not going to begin to speculate on that. But what I can tell you in terms of the five uh, starting caliber linemen that are leaving BYU, and we are counting Blake Freeland in this conversation. We have not seen a formal announcement from BYU's star left tackle, but he's accepted an invite to the senior bowl, all but ensuring in my mind that he's going pro. But uh, so you, you lose him to the NFL. Harris Lachance announced he's going to the NFL draft. And I, I don't know why he made that announcement because I understood that Harris Lachance was actually out of eligibility. But regardless, he's on to his professional future, as well as uh, Joe Tukuafu. Joe has been out of eligibility seemingly forever, but he finally has used up all of his eligibility, so he's moving on. So three of them are headed for the NFL. That leaves two, the Barrington brothers, who have announced their transfer destination is uh, both going to Baylor. I don't know why it's exactly, and I've trust me, Ed Clark on this show, and I think he laid it out fairly clearly about what he was looking for when it came to deciding to transfer. I can tell you this much. Daryl Funk operates differently than Jeff Grimes, Eric Mateos, Ryan Pugh. Think of the offensive line coaches before him. He's more in the old school offensive line coach mold of a, let's say, a Mike Empey type of a coach. Mike was actually the first offensive line coach for Kalani Sitake for the two years under Ty Detmer in the Kalani Satake era, uh, he, Funk operates differently than the three coaches that preceded him. And I'm including Jeff Grimes, even though he was never truly BYU's offensive line coach during his time as offensive coordinator. He was essentially the, the assistant offensive line coach while also holding the coordinator title. But uh, Funk operates differently. And for the Barringtons, it sure seems like to me that they, they want to reunite with Eric Mateos and Jeff Grimes, and they feel like they mesh better with him than they do with Daryl Funk. Is that an indictment on Funk? You can interpret it as such, but I, I can tell you this much. I just know that he operates differently than those coaches, and that can at times cause guys to think, you know what, I need to look at something else. So hopefully that answers your question, Jeff. Next one coming up, uh, in is uh, via uh, an account on Twitter that sent this to me. I am anonymous. That was their name, literally. I am anonymous on Twitter. It says, hi, Jake. 
I haven't heard of any Weber State players coming to BYU. Are there any? Love the show. Well, I am anonymous. I hope you learn your name one day so I can thank you publicly uh, for uh, your compliment. But on the Weber State front, the one that I know of, and I think it makes too much sense for it not to happen, is the FCS All-American cornerback, Eddie Heckard, coming to BYU. Now, this is a guy who originally announced he was going to go into the NFL draft. This is a three-time All-Big Sky honoree, was an All-American this past season, has been absolutely phenomenal for Weber State. Well, a couple days later announced he was in the transfer portal and the fact that he was recruited by played for and just uh, it seems like has a very good relationship with new BYU defensive coordinator uh, 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 <laughs> oh my gosh I, all of a sudden I went blank I um who am I thinking of? Uh, the former Weaver State coach, uh, Jay Hill. My gosh. Okay, apologies for that. I should not have had that gaffe happen, but regardless, you get you get where I'm going. Uh, Jay Hill, his relationship with him, I think makes too much sense for Eddie Heckard not to come to BYU, show what he can do against Power 5, Big 12-level talent uh, after being at an FCS level where he stood out. Why not see show what you can do at the next level, speaking of the Power 5 level, before making the jump ultimately to the NFL? It seems like it's far too common sense for that to happen uh, on the other side of things with regards to Weber State very few players relatively from the Wildcats after Jay Hill's departure have entered the transfer portal it's kind of been stunning in a way and that doesn't mean that it couldn't the floodgates open tomorrow but Mickey Mental, the offensive coordinator was promoted to head coach and made the announcement he was keeping the entirety of the staff intact at Weber State and I think that's helped I think settle down what may have been some guys deciding to ultimately bolt the program, but uh, I, there could still be some options coming available. It, it feels like at some point, but I think the one that makes the most sense and is a possibility for sure, because he's already in the portal is Eddie Heckard. All right. On to Taylor's question here says, Hey Jake, I want to be, I want to hear more outside thoughts on Isaac Wilson. Uh, I have a few kids that go to corner Canyon high school. I've watched several of their games this year, and I am convinced he'd be the second coming of Jake heaps. If he came to BYU. Now, Taylor, that is quite the take because Isaac Wilson is a more highly decorated recruit than his older brother, Zach, and we all know what Zach was able to do at BYU. Does that mean that he is capable of flopping? Yes, he is capable of flopping and being a Jake Heaps. There's always that possibility. Now, if you recall the Jake Heaps scenario, he was a five-star recruit, the top-rated quarterback, if not the top-rated recruit in the entire country when he announced he was signing with BYU back in 2010. Now, if you go back through the history books and look how that 2010 uh, recruiting class, especially for quarterbacks, panned out, it did not pan out well. Seemingly, none of the guys in that top pantheon of quarterbacks in that class panned out to any significant degree, it felt like. And that there's always that possibility. But I can tell you this much recruiting people who are far more in the know than I am believe that Isaac Wilson has got all the traits of being a star at the next level but there's always that possibility that's a and you've watched several games Taylor I'll give you credit you're, you're a guy who's watched far more with your own eyeballs of Isaac Wilson than I have I had the opportunity to call two corner canyon games this year for uh the Deseret News Rewind or a KSL Rewind squad. I do those high school games in the fall. I had two games uh, for Corner Canyon this year. And each time I saw Isaac Wilson, he got through a relatively slow start. But once he found his groove in those games, it was like he locked in and he was good to go at that point. And there was no shaking him after that. So only time will tell. And I don't necessarily, I'm not guaranteeing that Isaac Wilson is going to pick BYU. He very much seems to be a guy 
who marches to his own beat. I know all three of his brothers, speaking of Zach, uh, Josh, and Micah so far, have all attended BYU. But I'm telling you, based on what I understand of Isaac, is he is just he's his own person. And he's not going to be influenced by his family, his older brothers, all having gone to BYU. He's like, no, I, I, it's a foregone conclusion. I'm going to the Y. That still is very much an option. BYU would love to have him. But I think he is going to really play out this recruiting process and find the best fit for him. All right, final question here on this week's mailbag comes in via Mark and says, uh, Mark says, Jake, what do you know about Luke Moga or Maga? I don't remember. I think it's Moga, the quarterback uh, recruit from Arizona that BYU recently offered. Now, what I understand about Moga is he, similar to Isaac Wilson, is a highly thought of prep quarterback, but playing in the Arizona prep ranks. Uh, he is a guy that watching his film, I've never seen him with my own eyes, obviously being down in Arizona. He is a guy that has got pure unadulterated speed i saw somebody report somewhere in the 10 500 meter range that's elite wide receiver type speed that's really really fast and his film reflects that this is a kid who can absolutely get after it out there on the football field and that's not just that he's saying he's an athlete playing quarterback this is a guy who is capable of throwing the football as well i think that byu feels very very good about their quarterback prospects they currently are recruiting in that 2024 recruiting class isaac wilson's one of them this luke moga kid is one of them uh tc manamaluna up there in, in the oregon area who's a highly thought of four-star prospect is also in the mix there are a number of great quarterbacks that BYU is recruiting in that recruiting class. And I think BYU could be seeing on a little bit of a bumper crop of quarterback talent when it comes to recruiting that class in particular. And we'll find out. I'll try and find out more about Luke Moga for you, Mark. But that's kind of all I know is just based on what I've seen on film so far from that young man. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll get to some BYU basketball thoughts. Uh, BYU gets a, wow, uh, a really easy win, all things considered, out there at Pacific. We'll touch on that in just moments. First, a word on our friends over, first, a word from our friends over the National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration. I uh, say, the, here's the scenario, my friends. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. And as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride, but then you think, nah, I live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal what are the odds you get pulled over anyways and even so what's the worst that could happen your insurance rates go up you lose your license you lose your job you total your car you kill somebody everybody knows the risks of driving drunk the results are often tragic and deadly however that doesn't stop everybody from getting behind the wheel under the influence that's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads their goal simply is to save lives so if you think you've had, you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe, and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. This message brought to you by our friends over at NHTSA. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars one of your first listens of the day, if not your first listen. I know it's coming. this show coming to you a little bit later on a Friday. Uh, like I said, had some technical difficulties, but thanks again for joining us. want to encourage you guys to make sure you check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. It's your way to catch up on all the major sports news out there, whether it's NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, college sports. They've got it all. Soccer golf no matter what your interest is locked on sports today has it they got the world famous locked on's take of the day as well it's an incredible product 22 minutes or less and you'll be up to speed on everything going on in the sports world make sure you check it out wherever you get your podcasts are also available on youtube all right time to talk a little byu basketball the cougars went to pacific last night and opened west coast conference play in uh, easy 
Easy win, all things considered, uh, routing Pacific 69 to 49 out there in Stockton, California. It's the final time BYU will play in Stockton as a member of the West Coast Conference. The Cougars went six and three in their time in the WCC in Stockton, getting some revenge for a, a very disappointing loss last year to Pacific out there. But BYU just made quick work of the Pacific Tigers. And uh, Pacific is like in the 230s, if not the 240s in the Ken Palm ratings. They're not a good team. And BYU made them look like the the bad team that they appear to be BYU uh, just rolled. They shot 42.3% from the field. More importantly, a very consistent night shooting the three ball 44%, 11 of 25 from deep led by uh, Jackson Robinson, who had a career high, 17 points, really, really nice performance for Robinson. He also added six rebounds as well. And then Spencer Johnson, Welcome back, Spencer Johnson. 15 points uh, in his return to the BYU lineup after missing five weeks due to a knee injury. Really, really good to see Spencer Johnson back out there on the court and shooting like he hadn't missed time at all. It's uh, Did any of you who watched that game, did it feel like Spencer Johnson missed any time? He played 21 minutes, shot 5 of 11 from the field, was 50% from three-point land, three of his, uh, made three of his six attempts. What a performance for him. And he just makes BYU that much more dangerous because of his ability to score, handle the basketball, and just being one of those calming, steady influences on this BYU team. There's a lot of young guys on this squad. Dallin Hall, Jackson Robinson, Noah Waterman. I, I, the, but you need guys who are the quote-unquote old heads or the, 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 the veteran players in big moments, they need to step forward. And that was nice to see from a guy like Spencer Johnson. Uh, Rudy Williams had a pretty quiet night scoring-wise, just eight points, but it was good to see him have four rebounds and five assists and contributing in different ways for BYU in this game. He became more of a true point guard, a distributor first for BYU in this game, and it really helped them as they rolled to this victory. There is one thing that BYU still needs to clean up on, though, and that is they had 21 turnovers you cannot have 20 turnovers and a better team pacific's not good we've seen other teams that are far better than pacific absolutely punish byu with those turnovers and by the way these turnovers come from across the roster fuseni triori had four rudy williams had four they tied for the team lead dallin hall had three jackson robinson had three spencer johnson's the only guy that i'm seeing here uh, outside of noah waterman not to have a turnover excuse me trey stewart also but he just played four minutes in this game BYU has to clean up the turnover issues, and that's going to be a critical thing as they come home to face off against the Portland Pilots tomorrow night uh, in uh, the Marriott Center. An interesting game here because Portland was a team that a lot of people thought was a dark horse in the West Coast Conference coming into the season. They're scuffling along right now at 8-8 eight and eight on the season, just a really up and down year for them, and they suffered a pretty stunning 92-72 blowout loss on their home court last night to the LMU Lions. Loyola Marymount uh, going in there at 11-4. and four and absolutely shooting the cover off the basketball. I think they made 15 threes in this one as they just blew the doors off Portland. So you can guarantee the Pilots will be coming to BYU uh, smarting a little bit uh, from this one. They have three really capable scorers. Speaking of the Pilots, giving you a little bit of an insight as to what to expect from them. Tyler Robertson leads the team with 14.8 points on average per game in 32 minutes played. Moses Wood, his uh, counterpart, averaging 13 points in a team-leading six rebounds. Uh, Robertson's also their top assist guy, uh, averaging 5.7 assists. And then Mike Meadows, uh, 12.3 points per game with Christian. 
I think it's Joland, Joland. I'm not 100% certain on how to pronounce that correctly. He's averaging 11.9 points. There is one other uh, tie to the BYU basketball program on this roster, as many of you might be aware. Wyatt Lowell, the former BYU big man forward who transferred from UVU, was the former WAC freshman of the year, has dealt with a torn Achilles uh, during his time at BYU, transferred to Snow College, rehabbed it, had a fantastic season playing for the Badgers last year, and now has joined the Portland Pilots. Uh, he's off to a little bit slower start this year. He's uh, played in 12 games, averaging eight and a half minutes per game, 4.6 points, 1.4 rebounds, and just a shade under one assist per game. So not necessarily uh, doing what he probably expected or hoped to do for the Portland Pilots, but like I said, a former Cougar coming back to face his former team. We already saw that earlier this year with Colby Lee, as well as uh, Gavin Baxter. Baxter actually uh, retired uh, from basketball, but there are ties across the college basketball universe to BYU, and this is just one of them with Wyatt Lowell. Uh, coming back to the Marriott Center to play this game. I think this is an interesting matchup all the way around just because of the, the ability of a team like Portland. If they get hot, they can make life miserable for you, and BYU does have to fix that turnover issue. you got to cut those. If they can cut the turnovers in half to 10 per game, BYU's a far far more dangerous team when they're taking care of the basketball. They at times get so careless with that ball. It's frustrating. It is really, really frustrating to watch them do that. But the hope is they will clean that up in in that matchup tomorrow night. Once again, seven o'clock, if you want to spend your new year's Eve, at least part of it at the Marriott center, seven o'clock tip off, catch the game on BYU TV or listen to it on BYU radio. All right, coming up here in just a minute, it's the final show of the year. Uh, I'm barring something completely unforeseen, something crazy news. It is the final show of 2022. I got to use some final thoughts as we close out the year on this podcast. We'll get to that momentarily. First, a word on our friends over at UCCU. UCCU is offering a 15-month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. The best part is during that period of the 15 months with that savings certificate, you can jump up to an even higher rate of return during the life of your certificate. We all know the interest rates and uh, inflation are on the rise. UCCU is here to help you guys take advantage of that with these savings certificates. The 4.00% APY return is significantly higher than any savings account, money market, whatever type of account you have your money sitting in right now. So take advantage of this opportunity. Lock it up uh, for the 15 months. Let that money grow and grow and grow. And the best part is if rates continue to rise, and there's no reason to think that they're not going to because the uh, Federal Reserve has said they will continue to raise interest rates to combat inflation until it gets under control. Well, if at any point it jumps up high enough, you can make the jump yourself and jump up that rate of return to a higher rate at any point during the 15 months of that savings certificate. Getting started with UCCU is very simple. All you got to do is go into one of their branches across the Wasatch Front, give them a call, or go online to uccu.com. You get started on an any one of those three ways on the savings certificate. The best part is that you can start these savings certificates for as low as $500. So it's a fantastic option for every type of saver, both big or small. So give it a shot, my friends. That's UCCU. Go to uccu.com to learn more now and get started with that 15-month savings certificate with an incredibly high 4.00% APY return. Once again, that's uccu.com to learn more and to get started on that savings certificate today. That's UCCU. Love where you bank. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys taking the time out of your busy schedules to join me here on this podcast. And it's the end of the year, folks, and I get a little wistful and I kind of get pensive in a way when it comes to the end of the year, looking ahead to the year to come. I just want to say this. 
Thank you to all of you out there. Uh, Based on what I looked at just before I recorded this podcast, we are just uh, about 5,000 views and or downloads shy of 1 million. And what I mean by that is uh, between the YouTube side of things as well as our regular podcast feeds out there, you out there in Cougar Nation have viewed this content no matter how short or long it was. If you watched every episode in its entirety or you tuned in for 25 seconds of one episode at some random point during the season. A million times almost. There's an outside shot. We may finish with a million combined views and or downloads this year, but I, I just, I'm stunned. And I, I, I don't mean to come off as like, oh, he's just, he's just playing uh, the, the humility card. No, that's not it. I, I love doing this podcast. It's a really, really fun outlet for me. It allows me to sit down and get a lot of my thoughts that I have collected during the days about BYU, doing my radio job. Uh, and I'm like, you know what? I can use that on the podcast. And that's what I try and bring every day is reasoned, uh, well-thought-out takes on all things BYU. Yeah, we may not all agree on things. There are a number of you who don't agree with me and think I should be far more positive on things when it comes to BYU. But I, I, I can't be... Casey Cougar, rah, rah, rah all the time. There are things that need to be pointed out when it's not good for BYU. I just talked about turnovers for BYU basketball. That, that's a, that's an issue. There remains an issue. It's been an issue all season long. There was one point this year for BYU basketball. They were number 300 and whatever, the second worst team in terms of turnovers per game. That's not good enough. So I use that to say this. Uh, I love doing this podcast. Even if you don't agree with me all the time, I thank you all for your contributions, whether uh, you guys are trying to keep me in check with, with something, you're uh, filling me in on a pronunciation of a, a player's name, you're uh, ch- uh, correcting me on a stat that I may have misquoted or had inaccurate. You know what? I thank you for all of it. The, the good and the bad, it makes me a better podcaster, makes me a better broadcaster, makes me a better radio host and producer. So just at, at the end of the year here, Thank you for taking the time to join us every single day. We've got big plans for 2023. If we don't make it to a million uh, this year, if we fall just short, guess what the goal is next year? A million and what? 1.2 million, 1.5 million. We are continuing to grow this. So if you want to be part of this, we'd love to have you guys be a part of it via social media. Reach out Locked On Cougars on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Email us, LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. If you want to contribute financially, you can do that. If you have a, a company, a business, a product, a brand you'd like us to represent, myself to represent, love for you guys to be part of it that way. Uh, you can email us, LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. Podcasting is a brand new wave of advertising. It gets you in front of actually listeners who don't consume media in any other way. They don't read, uh, listen to radio. Podcasting actually is a really, really unique medium for for advertising. So if you have interest in any of this and and you want to be part of it, love to have you guys on board. So reach out and thank you. And I wish you guys nothing but the best. A happy new year to you all. Hopefully uh, you guys are having the time of your lives with your family and friends this coming weekend. Uh, We'll be talking about BYU in Portland, whatever happens in hoops on that front, whatever happens on BYU football's side of things with regards to the transfer portal, the ongoing uh, filling out of Kalani Satake's staff. We've got a ton of stuff coming up in 2023. And one other thing, I've talked about this before, starting Monday, January 2nd, we begin to look back at all 155 games of the independent era for the BYU football program. We're going to go game by game and talk about them as we get you ready for the upcoming Big 12 era for BYU football. We'll carry it on throughout the offseason. And by the way, we may be in the offseason. That does not mean we stop in any facet on this podcast. We still bring it to you guys every single day, and I can promise you we'll have great conversations. We'll have some fun along the way. And, hey, 
We may agree and or disagree a few times between now and next football season, but thank you for being along for the ride. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Once again, have a happy new year, and I hope you guys are all doing fantastic. would encourage you now to make your second listen to our friends over on the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Josh Neighbors does a great job making sure you're up to speed on everything going on in the Big 12 conference in 30 minutes or less. Get that free and available wherever you get your podcasts. It's also available on YouTube. I'll sign off for now and see you in 2023. This has been the Locked on Cougars podcast. See ya.